Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth. For the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Potterburn. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. What's going on, guys? It's the Heel Tough Blog Podcast here on a Friday night, and you know what that means. It's time to preview yet another game as the Tar Heel season rolls along here in 2023, and this time it is the Campbell Fighting Camels. Not just the Camels. Got corrected about that on air earlier today. It's the Fighting Camels that the Tar Heels will take on in Keenan Stadium on Saturday afternoon. We're, of course, going to dive into that game we'll give you the keys to the game we'll tell you a little bit about that Campbell team that rolls in and we'll give you our score predictions but before we do that we do have to talk to you about uh the news that came down earlier this week from the ACC uh not quite what's going on in the Big Ten right now nothing that serious but uh they did reveal their new scheduling model uh for uh 2024 and beyond of course this offseason Uh, After uh, all of the athletics wrap up this year, of course, you will have three teams coming from outside of the ACC uh, that will be there this uh, in place this year. Uh, You'll have Cal Stanford, as well as SMU that will be entering the conference. And so the ACC had to shift their, uh, their, their scheduling model moving forward. They had it revealed on ACC Network the other night on ACC PM. Mark Packer, Taylor Tannenbaum did that. Um, They did a great job. Uh, Of course, I did check that out for a little bit. And then, of course, the ACC, not only did they announce that, but they decided, you know what, it's not enough to just announce next year's schedule. Let's announce the next uh, seven years of opponents for teams. We're not going to go through and break down everything, uh, not each and every year, uh, but we will take a look at next year's opponents. It got a little bit tougher, I think, than uh, what Carolina had previously scheduled. Uh, but first, we, you know, one of the things that people I think were most interested to see was which rivalries would be protected. 17 uh, get protected in the new scheduling model. The Tar Heels are uh, one of just two teams that w- that have all three of their major rivals protected. Duke. And Carolina, the only two. Carolina keeps Duke, NC State, and Virginia. Uh, just about everybody else has uh, at least one, if not uh, more, rivals that are slashed from uh, their future schedules. So uh, definitely interesting uh, how the ACC handled that. Um, but it shows you that Carolina, you know, they have the South's oldest rivalry with Virginia. And then clearly they do value Duke and Carolina and, of course, NC State and Carolina, which I have said for years is one of the more underrated rivalry matchups in college football uh, here in the last few years due to the animosity that you have between both sides. Uh, And, and, you know, you look at uh, 
some of the things that lie ahead for Carolina when it comes to the scheduling. And I think the most, you know, the most important thing that most people were looking at is when does Carolina play uh, each of the new conference opponents for the first time? Well, next year they avoid all three of those teams. They do not play them in any capacity. 2025 is the first time where they will see uh, those opponents, and they do see two of them. They will welcome Stanford to Chapel Hill and, of course, go on the road to California. That's a spot that Carolina is somewhat familiar with here uh, in the near past. Of course, they went there back in 2018, got beat in the season opener uh, of what would be Larry Fedora's final season. Uh, then they take a little break. Uh, they do come back in 2027, do play on the road at Stanford for the first time. We'll have Stanford uh, back at home again in 2028 and go on the road to SMU. That's the first time that they will play the Mustangs. Uh, they will play them uh, again in 2030 at home. Uh, they do have another road trip out to California as well in 2030, and they do play the Golden Bears in 2029. Uh, so that is a look at how Carolina will face the new opponents that come into the conference. Now, the most important thing I think is, uh, you know, that was revealed the other night is Carolina's home and away opponents uh, for this upcoming season. This is where I'll bring Josh in on this one. Carolina home opponents for next year in conference play now are, of course, NC State. Uh, they will face Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, and once again now, they will have to play Georgia Tech. They were supposed to miss them. They will not, so they have to play that team yet again. Um, with their recent struggles, far from an easy task. Mm -hmm. On the road, they have to go to Boston College, to Duke and Virginia, uh, which was expected based on this year's schedule. But the one that really stings is they have to go on the road to Florida State. Uh, so when you look at that 2024 schedule, and I mean, I guess if you have some thoughts, I mean, I know you're definitely not the biggest fan of the teams from the Pac-12 coming into the conference. Um, but really, you know, what what kind of stands out about the uh, scheduling model and uh, everything that was released by the ACC early on this earlier <laughs> on this week? Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Didn't put a lot of stock into it because I don't know how long Carolina is gonna be around to see that schedule fulfilled. Um, you know, whether these schools are being honest or not, plenty of them, and I would imagine with Carolina's brand, they're looking for an exit out of the conference, which is a different topic that at some point we're going to have to have, and it's going to be one that um, we'll, 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 we'll violently or vehemently disagree on. As for next year, you know, I, I think what, what happened is, is, you know, when you look at the, the reset the program's going to be under, post Drake May. I do think, you know, just looking at it today, maybe Carolina's path to a bowl game got a little bit tougher um, with having to, you know, go to a Florida State. You know, you, you Georgia Tech, yeah, from, for, for now, you've got to mark that down as a loss because you seem to, to not be able to beat them. So that was kind of my biggest takeaway is that I think next year the expectation is going to be different. The expectation is going to be normal Tar Heel football expectation. Win six, seven games, go to a bowl game, and give us something really just to, to cheer about until the start of basketball season. I think that got a little bit tougher with some of the changes in the schedule, but that's out of Carolina's control. Um, you knew that was going to happen when they decided to add Cal, Stanford, and, and SMU. And um, you know, I'm just I'm just glad for the time being we don't got to wait to. 1030 at night to watch a, a, a ACC conference game. Um, because when that happens starting in, in 25, 26, it's going to be weird. Um, and, and, and so, um, you know, I, I think, I do think if Carolina, like let's say if Drake was doing what Drake was doing, like as a freshman, I do think you would have seen a Cal, a Stanford, an SMU on the schedule because it would have made their arrival, like it would have been easy to market. It's not going to be the case next year. Carolina's not going to have the same type of hoopla around it as they did entering this season. But, uh, you, you know, once we got to wait until 1030 at night to watch them play conference games, it'll be different. But we'll be sitting up, cheering our butts off, watching them play on the West Coast. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be weird. It'll be interesting to see how the ACC sort of handles that. Is there really a focus to try to get some of these games late at night? Um, is there a focus to keep them off of late at night? I mean, is it or is it? Yeah, is it going to be ACC after dark? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that's certainly going to be interesting. Uh, and I think you know, in terms of next year, I mean, yeah, it definitely got a little bit tougher. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, Boston College will be interesting. That's always a tough place to travel, but who knows what that team's going to look like? Who knows if Jeff Halfley's even going to be there? He might get fired at season's end. Um, you know, going to Duke won't be easy because it looks like at this point Mike Elko will be back. There's a good chance that Riley Leonard could be back as well after he is, you know, potentially, uh, I, I would say at this point, safe bet he will not play against Carolina next week. And we'll talk more about that, of course, when we preview that game. Um, but, you know, he's probably going to miss the remainder, at least of the regular season, if not the whole year. So there's a good chance he could be back. Um, you talked about, you know, counting Georgia Tech as a loss. I mean, what do you count Virginia? Do we do we even chalk that up as a win at this point? Last year, you went there and struggled at, at, in a game that you should have just smashed them into the dirt. And this year, you, you, you couldn't find a way to beat them at home. So who knows what that game is honestly going to be. Um, and then you got to go to Florida State. I think it's really going to depend on what – you know, what they end up doing. I think they're going to have to go into the transfer portal to get a quarterback. And if they can go out there and get the right guy, then great. If not, we'll have to, you know, wait and see what that season becomes. But you're right. It definitely got a little bit tougher uh, the other night with what was revealed. Now let's move on to this season. Talk about the matchup that we have tomorrow afternoon in Keenan Stadium, the first 12 o'clock kick of the season and it's against the Campbell Fighting Camels. Uh, this is the first meeting in program history for the Tar Heels against Campbell. Uh, they, of course, are coached by former Carolina Panthers safety Mike Minter. Um, you know, not a, a squad that, you know, coming into the year did receive a couple of votes in the preseason poll. But I don't know uh, if a lot of people were expecting a ton out of them. Uh, so far this season, four and four, three and three in conference, although they do play in one of the more difficult conferences in the FCS, uh, in the Colonial Athletic uh, Association. Uh, so far this year, really good offensive team, 34.3 points per game, points per game, excuse me, uh, 14, uh, 414.5 yards of total offense average, 262.2 uh, passing yards per game, 152.3 rushing yards per game uh, in terms of the guys of note on the offensive side of the ball. I think it all starts with their quarterback uh, who is having a, a tremendous year. Haas Malik uh, Williams, a really strong year on the, uh, through the air already thrown for over 2000 yards, 16 to five touchdown to interception ratio uh, has, you know, shown that he can use his legs this year, which is something that has bothered Carolina in each of the past two games. Meanwhile, on the ground, uh, they use two guys primarily, Nakari Rogers and Lamaje McDowell. Uh, but they do have a guy in Chris McKay Jr. that has proven that he can be a big play threat. Wide receiver, it's somewhat similar. You've got VJ Wilkins and Chaney Fitzgerald, who are the two steady producers for the team. And then you've got Jalen Kelsey, who is the guy that has shown he can be that big play threat over the top. Had a huge game earlier this year for them. Uh, where he had seven catches, 172 yards for the team. I believe that came against uh, NC Central. Uh, on the offensive line, veteran group, a group that's graded out very well according to Pro Football Focus this year, anchored by tackle Tyler McClellan. Move over to the defensive side of the ball, and this is where you know they're very similar to Carolina in that they are definitely struggling on that side of the ball so far this year. 31 uh, points per game allowed, 409.4 yards of total offense allowed, 233.6 passing yards per game allowed, and most importantly, 175.8 rushing yards per game allowed. Uh, you look at, you know, really where they, their strength is, uh, it, it's in their secondary. Those are where, you know, they have guys uh, like Ed Dennis, the safety, who's been solid in coverage but has really helped the team out in the run game. Tremendous tackler, uh, actually grades out as the best tackler on the entire team. 
but their star is Keevan Bailey, uh, who has allowed just eight of 29 targets so far this year to be caught, has not allowed a touchdown. He has been phenomenal uh, so far this year. The defensive line, not great. There's really only one guy that stands out, and that is uh, edge rusher George Wilson Jr. Uh, this is a name Tariel fans should remember. Carolina did recruit him a few classes ago. He was a guy uh, that committed to, I believe it was Virginia Tech originally, and then transferred to Campbell. So a guy that at one time was a Division I talent, Power 5 talent, um, and is now you know at the FCS ranks, certainly a guy that's worth noting. But outside of that, a group that's really struggled down there. And at linebacker, you've got uh, you've got Moncovia Gaffney. She's had a pretty solid season, but fellow starter C.J. Tillman grades out as the worst full-time starter on the roster, according to Pro Football Focus. So not a great year for him. Uh, their special teams unit, kind of up and down, a little bit mediocre. Field goal kicker Caleb Dowden uh, has connected on just five of eight field goals this year. Has him in great handling kickoffs either. Punter Jack Brady uh, has been all right, not spectacular, and the same really goes uh, for their return game. So this is a, a team that is kind of middle of the road in the FCS. It's a group that Carolina should not have that many issues against. But, uh, you know, when we talk about these types of games, the thing that we always talk about is that there is clearly more motivation for the FCS team than there is for Carolina. So the Tar Heels do have to come ready because, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that they get upset, but this is a game where Carolina, they don't, they, it's not that they need to win. They certainly need to do that, but they need to look good doing it. This can't just be a game where they sort of limp through and pick up a 35 uh, to 20 victory or something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the thing that sucks about this week is this feels like it came a week late. You would have preferred this game be after the Virginia loss. Maybe you look different against Georgia Tech. For me, the biggest thing going into this game is, yeah, you want to come out looking, you know, you want to play well. The more important thing is you just got to get out of the game healthy. Um, because if, you, if, if you're going to have any sort of a chance at, at, at getting your way into a position to, to make it to the ACC title game, you need to be as healthy as possible for the final three games at home against Duke, um, and then you got to go to Clemson and you got to go, you got to go to NC State. So um, you know, unlike some of these games when Larry Fedora was the head coach, Mac Brown seems to have his guys ready to play. They've never really seemed to overlook these types of opponents before, because um, Carolina optimally, you know, obviously more gifted, more talented, they're deeper. Um, they're better at, at, at every at, at, at every turn. So um, this should be a game that, in theoretically, is over middle middle of the second quarter ish, um, and and you get your guys healthy. And for me, I think you want the game early as possible, over as early as possible, to to get some of these younger guys that are going to have bigger roles next year, get them some playing time, and, and really get to evaluate some of the dudes that are going to have bigger roles next year when some of the guys that have been around here for the last, you know, three to four years will no longer be with the program. Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, you talked about injuries. I think rest is extremely important for this team. I mean, you're talking about a defense that all we heard in the fourth quarter of the broadcast the other night was how worn down the defense looked. So getting them some rest, getting your offense some rest, really I think that's the thing. Offensively, you need the, your group to get out healthy because, I mean, I got to be honest. Tez Walker, Nate McCollum, both questionable for this game. Neither one of them would step on the field for me. I would keep them both on the sidelines. You need them for conference play more than you should need them for this game. If you can't beat Campbell without them and beat them handedly, then you've got other pro you got bigger problems within your program. So, I mean, I, I think there's there's plenty of guys on this roster that should be ready to step up, and hopefully that's the mindset of the coaching staff. Let's look at some of the other Tar Heel storylines coming into this game. And the first one really is, what is the mindset of this team? You talked about it. You really wish that this game was probably last week, gives Carolina a chance to reset, and then possibly go on the road this week against Georgia Tech. But it's not. Carolina comes in now having lost two in a row, three straight losses to Georgia Tech. And the thing is, is not only have they lost two in a row, they have lost two in a row as double-digit favorites. So 
Carolina really needs this one, but you wonder where their mindset is at. Are they feeling what a lot of fans are, are feeling right now, that this season is spiraling out of control and is heading in the same direction as last season? They can't be thinking that in that locker room. We're allowed to think that as fans. We're allowed to be worried about that. For them, their mindset needs to be focused on using this game as an opportunity to get this season turned back in the right direction. Yeah, you got to hope they just haven't, frankly, checked out on the season because after back-to-back losses and in a week last week where you looked even worse defensively than the week before, um, that's something I do think you got to worry about just because now you know, you're going you're gonna to need some help to, to get back to an ACC championship type of game. We're going to find out what the leadership of this team really is. And I think one of the more troubling things that we discovered last week as you know, Mac Brown always talks about player-led teams are the best teams. And that's why he was very quiet in the week of practice leading up to the game because he wanted his players to lead. Well, he should have read his team different because I think we learned the hard way. They didn't have the right kind of leadership to bounce back from the Virginia loss because of the way they looked, mainly defensively, uh, in, in, in two of the quarters last week on the road at Georgia Tech. So, um, you know, the thing is, is that like this, this game doesn't really, it doesn't really offer anything. It doesn't, it doesn't make up for the last two weeks. Um, you're not, it's not, no matter what they do, you're not going to feel any better about the last three games of the regular season because you're playing an inferior opponent. But, um, you, you know, if Carolina, if Carolina comes out and looks sleepish again and they don't look prepared to play, then I do think this is something where you really got to question the leadership that does exist in that locker room. Well, I mean, I think we're already there to be, to be honest with you. I mean, you don't really see a lot of leaders outside, at least vocal leaders outside of Cedric Gray and Cayman Rucker on that defense. Um, so, I mean, I think I'm already there. Um, very interested in, in searching more about the word sleepish. That's new. Um, and, you know, I, I, you said it doesn't really offer anything. I mean, I get it. Look, you, clearly this game can hurt you more than it can help you. But I do think that it provides you with an opportunity to stabilize things, at least for a second. Because right now, you're, you're, you're slipping. Last year, by this point in the year, you did not have this type of game. The way that you scheduled, you had Florida A&M early in the year in week zero, and then when you lost late in the season, there was not this game to save you. This is a game that can save you if you do the right things a lot and, and, and can gain some confidence off of it. That's ultimately what this game presents, a chance to gain a little confidence back, to take a breath and say, okay, look, we lost two games that we shouldn't have, but hey, now let's come out and win three games that most people probably don't believe we're going to win. That's the mindset that Carolina has to take into this game. But I think you're right. There's reasons to be concerned that that's not where the team's mindset is at right now. Uh, Second big storyline for me in this game is, does this defense find a way to rebound this year? Talked about it in the recap of this game. And I've talked about it all week when people have asked me about that game against Georgia Tech. Mac Brown compared it to the game against App State last year with what happened on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a great comparison because I think that fourth quarter is – I mean, that might be worse than what we saw last year against App State just because you saw a team that literally could not stop one element of the game. And that was just – that pretty much it was just a read option. It was almost the same play just over and over again. They just couldn't stop it. Um, and this week – I mean, look, you, defensively, you're, you're playing in a, a, a far inferior opponent. I get it. I get that their offense has had a good year, even at the FCS ranks. This should not be a difficult matchup. You should absolutely dominate this team. Um, I, I mean, look, if, if you allow more than 350 yards of total offense in this game, there's problems. Um, and this needs to be a dominant performance. But the thing is, is we talked about mindset for the team overall. It, it, it really matters defensively. Can you find a way to rebound from this? Or is this going to be a game that kind of proves to you that, hey, this defense is right back to where they were last year. And if you don't score at least 45, probably down the stretch in every single game, you're not going to win a single game. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think one of the things is, is, you know, even if Carolina gives up, you know, 10, 17 points, to me, I look at it really just trying to get some confidence back, 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 back in these guys. Because I think that was the biggest thing the last two weeks. And it was even more so apparent last week. They just didn't look confident. They didn't look confident in what they were being asked to do, which is why they weren't really able to make the type of play. So um, I'd like to see them maybe just kind of get back to the basics, do the fundamental things. Because I thought the tackling last week was poor because they just weren't in position to make the type of tackles. Um, because, again, there's really nothing – I mean, unless Carolina finds themselves in a shootout with an FCS opponent, there's really nothing that you can do that is going to make you feel any better going down the stretch in this game. And because the next three offenses that you face is a Duke offense, Sands, Raleigh, Leonard. We've all lamented the struggles that uh, Clemson has had offensively. And then NC State's offense has been hit or miss all year long. And so um, I think the biggest thing is getting just getting some confidence back in these guys because they've they've played good football. Now, they haven't played good football the last two weeks, and you still need more consistency from your guys up front, but just get some confidence back in them. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more of aggressive game plan from Gene Chizik just to show some confidence in his guys because I felt like the last couple of weeks we've been conservative and mm-hmm. you were still getting burnt. Um, but this is a game where you should be able to be aggressive and still, be, and still make plays. Um, and so I think this is one where you, you really need – I feel like the coaching staff has really got to pick them up as much as the players got to pick themselves up. Show that you're still confident in them. Show you still believe in them um, because you're going to need them to play well the final three games to have to, to give yourself a chance to reach that double-digit win plateau. And if they get the help that they need, make a return trip to the ACC title game. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's that's the best way to put it is confidence is everything for this team. Um, and especially this defense. And I, I'm with you. Gene Shizik, let's get a little more aggressive here, man. Uh, I mean, you're cons- the, the way that we've been playing the past couple of weeks, I mean, it seems like it is back to the same thing that we saw last year. There isn't much stunning up front. It's basically just straight rushes no matter what. And look, you guys are still winning off the edge consistently when it comes to pass rush, but it isn't working in the run game. You've got to try something else. You've got to be more aggressive coming up into the box if a team is going to say, hey, we're just going to continually run the football on you. Okay, we'll put seven in the box and trust your guys out there. I get it. Corners haven't played great either. They did they, they did not look good the other night. Marcus Allen had maybe his worst game of the year, uh, and, and Elijah Huzzy did not have a great performance either. But at some point, you have to be able to stop the run, make them beat you through the air, because we've seen that that game plan, you saw it against South against South Carolina and Miami, the yards through the air are not what, what is beating you. It's yards on the ground that have beaten you. In this game, I mean, you would hope, if, they, if it beats you in this game, I don't know if you got a job going into the next week. Got to be honest. But... You've got to you've got to find a way to get this team confident enough down the stretch. I get it, not great offenses as you were bringing up, but remember the offenses that Carolina faced at the end of last year. Georgia Tech's offense with a backup quarterback actually was their third string quarterback that came in, um, and then NC State's at the end of the regular season that had a fourth-string quarterback in Ben Finley. Made both of those offenses look pretty damn good. Um, So you don't want to have that happen again this year with what looks like probably similar type of offenses coming down the stretch of the season. Um, Move over to the offensive side of the ball, and really the biggest storyline there is how good this running game has been. Amari and Hampton, phenomenal the other night in Atlanta. Uh, Great job by Chip Lindsey of responding running the football the way that uh, we, we thought he should. And I think coming into this game, once again, I think that's where all eyes are going to be, is what can this running game do? You saw Drake May get a little bit get, get involved a little bit a week ago. But right now, this needs to be the focus of this offense, especially with all the injuries that the team has at receiver. And this should be a good game for Amari and Ham to continue to pad his stats. As for every member of the offense, this should be – um, a game where, you know, they're, they're all making their numbers look rather pretty. 
Uh, you know, for Drake May, the Heisman at this point is pretty much over, but he can go and put together a nice, fun performance, maybe keep him in the running to be the ACC player of the year. Um, and, and and so this should, you know, whether you see Tez Walker, Nate McCollum, I'm with you, they wouldn't play. I, I'd give them the week off, let them get as healthy and as, as, as fresh as they can be for the final three games of the regular season. Um, but for Amarian Hampton, he should have good stats in the first half. This should be a game where you're seeing a lot of the backups on that side of the ball uh, because your offense should be able to put the game away because this offense has been explosive. Um, it's been different than what we've seen in years past, but it's still, I mean, maybe you agree with this. I don't know. This offense has exceeded my expectations for it. I didn't think they'd be mm-hmm. this explosive, this dynamic um, against Power 5 competition. Bring in an FCS opponent. This should be a game where Drake puts up some good numbers and Marion Hampton puts up some good numbers. Um, but they're all taken out of the game by the middle of the second quarter or so, and we get to see a lot of the backups, mainly because I don't think Campbell is going to be able to stop Carolina's ability to run the ball at will. Well, I mean, they they haven't stopped the run at the FCS level, so asking them to stop the run against a Power 5 FBS team that's having a really good year on the ground – probably asking a lot. Um, I'm with you. I, I really do think that I've been sort of surprised by how good and how efficient this offense has been moving the ball up and down the field at times. I know, you know, after the game against Virginia, it was pointed out that, that the red zone offense really wasn't uh, having a great year, um, but I don't think it's really killed them so far this year. Um, I mean, again, you go back to the other night, I don't think that anything Carolina did offensively really was the reason that they lost the game. Um, I, I thought they, they did a great job executing. I mean, look, you're going to have moments where you have to punt the football. At some point, your defense has to be able to actually make a stop. Like, it's just, it's on them at some point. So, um, you know, in this game, you shouldn't have to worry about that. I'm with you. I think this should be one of those games. I don't know if it's middle of the second quarter that they end up pulling these guys out. I mean, I'd love to see that, but I don't think it'll it'll probably be that early. I think they'll allow these guys at least to get to halftime, if anything, just to rack up some stats. But, yeah, uh, th- this is a chance for this offense to continue rolling and really set itself up to have a better finish than they did last year because – that's the thing. You you look at the stretch run from last year, and everybody talks about the defense, and rightfully so. The defense was terrible down the stretch of the season. But so was the offense. The offense really fell apart. This week, you know, you talked about health. That's the biggest thing for this group. The unit that I want to see get off the field the earliest, get the offensive line starters out of the game as early as possible. Because we've seen last couple of weeks, Diego Pounds playing less than – Uh, less than 30% of the snaps in each game because he's hurt. He's out of the game. William Barnes is having to play the majority of the snaps. Uh, You've got Ed Montalus who got banged up at one point last week, I believe. Either that or I don't know why they put William Barnes in at left guard at one point, but they were mixing and matching. We've seen Willie Lampkin limping around at times uh, throughout the year. He's been banged up fighting through something. Spencer Rollin was in and out of the game against Virginia early on and then finally was able to settle himself in and played all last week. But this is a chance to get those guys healthy down the stretch because that was really the culprit for you last year, late in the season was that your, your, your offensive line simply wore down and look, you've got a Duke defensive line. That's really, really good. Probably the best element of their entire team, uh, maybe outside of their quarterback when they had Riley Leonard, but it's a loaded group. Uh, Clemson, you know they're going to be stout along the defensive front, even though uh, their team is not having a great year. Their defense still is. And then NC State, talk about that being the strength of a team. Defensive line is State's strength. Guy that killed Carolina last year and Davin Van is still there. So Carolina's offensive line, that's the biggest thing. They've got to be able to make sure that they get out of this game uh, healthy and ready to go for that stretch run. Special teams. They got to get it figured out as well. Um, three punt blocks, not only this season, three punt blocks in the last five games for Carolina. It has just been horrible. Noah Burnett misses a field goal late in the game the other night. Again, that's not what cost Carolina the game. Their defense would have let them score a touchdown anyways, as we saw. But 
this was his problem late last year. So you want to see him bounce back. Ultimately, you just want to see signs from this special teams unit that is just been terrible for the majority of the season outside of the place kicking when Burnett took over against Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, frankly, we shouldn't have to see if a punt gets a block because Carolina should never punt the ball. Um, and the game should never be in the balance where if Noah Burnett misses a field goal, it, it impacts the the eventual outcome of the game. And I thought as aggressive as Mac Brown's been going for on fourth down since he became Carolina's head coach for a second time, that was one where I know it was a fourth and long, but you had the quarterback that you got, you got the receivers that you got. Carolina should have went for it with the way their defense was playing to begin with. But, yeah, I mean, we, we've – this is what I think is as frustrating as anything is this has been a unit that Mac Brown has openly criticized. He's openly, or he's, he's changed the the coordinator position multiple times and they still can't seem to get it right. Like there just seems to be, and maybe this is the curse of firing Larry because Larry coached the special teams and Carolina special teams were among the best in the country while he was Carolina's head coach. That just hasn't been the same um, so far under Mac Brown. Um, and you can look at games where them not being good in that area has cost them. It wasn't really the issue last week, um, but but it's just something that, that Carolina needs It cost to them up. against Virginia. Yeah, I mean. The punting but, was that bad. You know, it, it field, field position. You know, even even in today's football, like where teams can move the ball and score the ball at will, it's still harder to go, you know, 87 yards as opposed to 67 or, or whatever. So this is an area where you're hoping that Carolina doesn't have to – we don't have to see it get cleaned up because they shouldn't really have to punt the ball and the, the, we should never ask to see a big field goal be made. But you're hoping that gets done during practice, but we'll have to wait and see how it all unfolds on Saturday. Well, the thing is, is you, you, you want to get to a point in this game where if you do have to do situational stuff, you can. Um, and, and again, it, it, it goes really into what the, what the over, the, the over, uh, overlapping, I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I'm not, the word's not coming to me, but um, really th- this is, this is what the theme of the game needs to be for Carolina is what it needs to be for the special teams too. It's all about gaining confidence. Just get your, so, you know, if you're Noah Burnett, get yourself back in a rhythm, make sure that what happened last year doesn't happen again. If you're Tom McGinnis, build off of what you did last week. You averaged 50 yards a punt last week. You know, hopefully your guys can actually block in front of you. That would help you out just a little bit. Um, Mac Brown pointed to that. He knows what the issue is. Okay. Get that figured out. If you got to put new guys out there as the guys that are protecting, then do it. Hey, you got guys that are walk-ons. You got guys that are buried deep on the depth chart that I know you want to get uh, you get reps for. But, hey, if you ain't cutting it, we'll put a damn starter out there. We can't have punts getting blocked all the time. Same thing on kick coverage. You've been horrendous. Second worst team in the entire F- – in all of the FBS. Well – Got to figure it out. You allow return yards to Campbell, you've got a real problem. So, yeah, this is one of those games where, again, confidence is everything for this unit. Just come out, put together a clean game, and use that as something that you can build on. And then the final storyline in this game is really, can this turn the season? And, again, it's not a game, no matter what you do in this game, unless you score like 175 points in this game or something like that and set a new NCAA record for points scored, you are not completely changed. I wouldn't even set the record, by the way, of most points scored. You'd have to reach, what is it, 222 by Georgia Tech against Cumberland College or something yeah. like that way back. But unless you put up just some unbelievable performance, this is not changing the course of your season. You're not going to look back and say, well, Campbell, that was a statement win. But what it can do is it can really change the feeling around the season in the players' minds. And that's ultimately the important part of this game. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people are going to be wondering. This is a question that will not be answered in this game. But I think if you come out and really dominate this game from the word go the way that you're supposed to, this can at least give Carolina fans a little bit of hope that, hey, 
this could be what potentially turns the season heading into next week against your rival Duke at home. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't see like I, I I don't look at it I don't really look at it that way because there's it don't matter what you do I, and I don't think I don't think the players will I think the players understand nothing they do Saturday does anything doesn't doesn't make up for the last the last two weeks um, it, it doesn't it doesn't forgive it there's really kind of no way to forgive it unless you went out and you get the help you need and you make the ACC title game. So, um, I mean, I know that's kind of negative, but when you when you lose at home to one in five Virginia and you lose on the road to a Georgia Tech team that lost by two possessions to Bowling Green, that's the answer that you deserve to get. And and so maybe, you know, maybe Carolina catches a break and they, they win rather comfortably tomorrow. And let's say Louisville loses to Virginia Tech. And you and you get the kind of the, you start getting kind of the results you you're, you're going to get doesn't matter your season comes down to what happens the next three weeks and so this is really kind of like a reset I think to where you get in you get a win you get some guys healthy uh, you get some dudes some experience and then like when you come out of this you're literally zero and zero and you're just trying to get one and zero every week because. You know, you got snake bitten again because when you got six and zero and you had nice things being written about you, you you found a way to let it all be be wasted and, and kind of go to nothing. And so um, there's 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 nothing tomorrow. Tomorrow's just a game that you have to play because you're you know your athletic department needs some money, and you're going to give a local in-state school some money. Um, there's there's really nothing saving the season that this game does that that we don't find that answer out until next Saturday when Duke comes to town yeah I mean if they struggle in this game then the season's over like I to, to me that's how I look at it if, if this is a close game in the fourth quarter then you might as well pack it in because this team ain't winning a game the rest of the year um that's that's really to me what this game means you, you have to find a way to win this game pretty comfortably yeah, but I mean, like, are you really concerned about it being close in the fourth quarter? Like, I, I got to be honest. The way this defense played, that that was, I, 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 and maybe there have been other performances that are that that are escaping me, and maybe it's just in the moment. That's the worst performance I've seen from this from a Tar Heel defense since the bowl game against Baylor back in 2015. Yeah, I, that I was mean, pathetic. And if I'm telling you, I don't. I would not rule it out that this team could find a way to let this team hang around. Yeah, I mean, look, the Carolina wasn't their their defense wasn't great in 2019, wasn't great in 21. They played these types of games and won rather comfortably. And Carolina's a better team today than they were in 2019, a better game than they were in, in 2021. So, like to me, I, I I don't see I don't see that happening. Um, and and like if 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 it is, like I, I think the easy thing is gonna is gonna we're gonna get on here and say you know you should probably fire the coaches and you're probably right. If that's actually the case tomorrow, then I think you really come to figure out a your guys aren't that good, and b how much do your guys actually care if they're letting an FCS team come into their building and and, and compete? Because not even in the Larry years when things started getting sideways when they played these in-state opponents. Whereas Carolina play in close games. They beat those teams rather comfortably. And so to me, that's not a worry at all. Like I, I, I'd like to see this team come out and play pissed off, play with their hair on fire um, to try to put the last two weeks behind them with the understanding of it, it still does nothing for the future. Because if you go out and lose the next week to Duke and what you do tomorrow doesn't really mean anything. So, but I'm not going into the game thinking, man, Man, there's a chance we're looking at a 38-35 game entering the fourth quarter either. I don't know about that, but I mean, I got I, I mean, I could see this being a 35-21 game if Carolina's not careful. Um, because I just I at this point, I don't think this team can take any team for granted, no matter what level they play at. I don't even think they could take a high school team for granted. Because I just don't to me, like, I just don't think they care enough in these games. We've seen it over and over again. And may, I, I, again, maybe I'm overreacting, but like to me, that's the mindset you got to take into this game is that we should be coming in looking to beat ass and take names. 
And if not, then we've got serious problems. Have some damn pride for yourself and come out and kick this team's ass because you need that type of performance to be ready for next week. Because if you if you carry over what you've done the previous two weeks, then going into next week, I mean, what's, what's your mindset going to be? We're going to come out and just give it our best effort against Duke? No, your expectation should be to beat Duke. And frankly, without Riley Leonard, it should be to beat him handedly. But – I just like I don't I don't know. I have to see it from this team. I'm back to that point with this team. I need to see you actually do it before I can believe it. Because anytime that I want to believe, you guys just send me right back to the reality of you should never believe anything that Tar Heel football shows you because usually it's fake. Uh, really quick, we'll run through the keys to the game. First key to the game: dominate the trenches. Again, you should you should kick the crap out of this team down low um really in all elements of the game but especially down low you've got bigger bodies you've got more talent offensive line i'm not really worried their defensive line as i mentioned has one guy uh that is really any sort of threat and i think carolina should be able to take care of him there's a reason why he's at the fcs level and no longer at the fbs level um it's the defensive line I know this offensive line has graded out really well. This is an FCS offensive line. You should dominate this group from the word go. There should be absolutely no questions. If you dominated South Carolina's offensive line, which I know is terrible, you should be able to dominate an FCS uh, offensive line. And if they don't, then we've got some real issues. Yeah, this would be a game that Cayman Rucker lives in the backfield and guys that have had a couple of rough weeks, the Des Evans, the Kevin Hesters, the Miles Murphys, the Miles Murphys of the world. This is a this is a get right game for them. And this should be game a game where they, they have a chance to make plays and uh, make their in, their impact on their presence felt. If Carolina doesn't have double digit t- uh, TFLs, I think that's going to be somewhat problematic because you should live and feast in the backfield of this offensive line. Um, and, you know, to me, this this comes down to Tim Cross, who I think is back coaching for his job. Once again, with the way this defensive line has played up and down. Again, this game isn't going to save your job, but it could give you something to build off of going to the, the final three games of the regular season. So, um, you know, Cayman Rucker, for the most part, has brought it every game. There's been some games where he's been somewhat quiet, Talking about a dude that I think is second in the country in pressures. There uh, he's first in the country. So this should be a, a, a field day for him, but he needs to have some other guys on the defensive line in the backfield with him making plays. Well, I mean, pass rush isn't really the concern for me. It's you got to win at the line of scrimmage on rundowns because you haven't done it all year. You can't seal the edge. You haven't been able to win in the interior consistently enough. Um, so you got, you got to do that in this game. This is not a team that should be able to push you around. And again, if they do, then we've got some real concerns going down the stretch of the season, especially next week. That's what Duke's strength is, is their offensive line. Now there's no telling how healthy that group is going to be. Graham Barton has been out. Uh, I believe the last couple of games, I don't think he played last night. Um, Jacob Monk, their, their second best offensive lineman has been hurt too, but you need to be prepared that you're going to face a unit that's going to be at full strength. So this needs to be a game where the defensive line gets right, wins a lot of battles up front. I'd like to see double-digit tackles for loss, but really if you can limit this team, even if you hold them under 100 yards rushing, I'd like to feel like they can hold them under 75 in this game. Um, But even if you hold them to under 100, which was where you were at with uh, both Miami um, and Syracuse the week before uh, you play the weeks before you played uh, Virginia and of course Georgia Tech. Um, I, I feel like that's that's a pretty good recipe for success. Uh, second key to the game is run the ball again. This defense second. This is the third consecutive week you are playing a defense that is allowing at least 175 rushing yards per game. And again, this defense is allowing 175 rushing yards per game to FCS-only opponents. You should absolutely dominate this team on the ground. I think it's not a stretch to say Carolina should probably get near 300 yards rushing in this game. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't say so. 
Uh, like I said, this should be a nice day for Amarian Hampton to continue to add to what's being a special season um, for him. You should see a healthy amount of British Brooks in this game and um, really, really see some other dudes just really get some touches because you you want to have Amarian Hampton uh, as, as well-rested and well-fresh going into next week's game as possible. So uh, I, think, I think Chip Lindsey learned his lesson from the Virginia debacle because he ran the ball and ran the ball pretty much at will uh, last week to uh, very successfully against Georgia Tech. You're, coming, you're, you're getting an FCS team that hasn't stopped FCS opponents. They haven't seen a dude as good as Hampton. So, you know, the, the, it should be a lot, of, a lot of runs, a lot of design runs for him, and you expect to see Carolina open up some holes for him to run for what should be potentially another 200-yard rushing performance would be his third of the season. Or no. Did he get 200 last week? No, no. Oh, yeah. No. So, yeah. 153. Yeah, so yeah, so it, yeah, so it, it would be his third of the year. I will, I will say this. I mean, even if he doesn't get – like, it could be his third 200-yard uh, from scrimmage. Game. He actually did not get 200 against Miami. Or no, not Miami. Who am I thinking of? Or no, am I thinking of Miami? Yeah, Miami. He had 197 in that game. But he did catch the ball out of the backfield – had 200 yards from scrimmage. Um, but, it, yeah, you'd like to see him get to that number uh, of, of scrimmage yards again. Uh, one thing that will be interesting is that you said get Amarian out early. I agree with that. Um, this could be a lot of British Brooks because Carolina last week only had three running backs that traveled with them to their game in Atlanta. They had Amarian, they had British Brooks, and they had Caleb Hood. Caleb Hood got banged up in the game, had an upper body injury. I believe it was on his kickoff return that he had uh, during, I think it was in the second quarter, maybe it was in the third. Um, and he is questionable for this game. So if he can't go, that means it will more than likely be Hampton, Brooks, more. I think Jordan Louie is still a guy that would be available, a true freshman. I don't think he's played. As far as I can tell, he has not taken any special team snaps, anything like that. So he would be available to play in this game because that's right. You have George Petaway, who's redshirted, or who is redshirting. You have Elijah Green, who's redshirting. So those guys won't be available. Maybe you have walk-on Keelan Hood, the brother of Caleb. So it could be those guys. But, I mean, Carolina, and they're going to be pretty thin at that running back position so it'll be interesting to see how they handle it could mean a lot a lot of British Brooks in this game no matter how out of hand uh, this thing gets and then you go uh, to our last key I think it's get the defensive starters some rest and we've talked about getting everybody some rest I talked about the importance of getting the offensive line the starting offensive line out of there that's really more for health but defensively you need to get this unit some rest something that can help this team moving forward the rest of the year I mean, the last two weeks, this team has been exhausted. You have Virginia where they played just a ton of plays. And then against Georgia Tech, it wasn't really the amount of plays that Carolina played. Only had six plays offensively in the third quarter from Georgia Tech. So they really weren't out there during that quarter. The thing that hurt Carolina a lot last week was the tempo from Georgia Tech. Just how fast they were going really weren't able to take guys in and out of the game. Guys got worn down. Those defensive starters, if you can get them in there, get them out pretty quick because you're blowing out Campbell, I think that will be huge for Carolina. Get some of those young guys some nice playing experience, but most importantly, allow those guys to rest a little bit and get ready, get their bodies ready as well for uh, that final three-game stretch where they're going to be needed. Yeah, you look at the snap counts for Cayman Rucker, Sed Gray, Power Echoes. They're not healthy. Those dudes are Fuzzy. on the field. You know, it, it feels like it feels like virtually every snap. So if you can get them off the field, get them off their feet, save them two, you know, at least two quarters of hits off their body. You might not think it's a lot, but it's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and get them ahead, start on getting their bodies ready for for the Duke game. You know, some people would even argue, do, do, do you sit them? I don't think that's something I would do because you want to keep them, you know, somewhat fresh. and keep how, them how are you going to sit those dudes after what they did last week? No offense, the way you performed last week, you got to show me something. You don't, you're not entitled to be sitting out after letting up 635 yards of total offense. 
So you know that that's the thing is is get get just take some take some snaps away from them, mm-hmm. get them off their feet, save save the hits, um, because the last three games of the year might be the most three physical games Carolina plays all year long, and they're going to have to be if Carolina wants a chance to win all three of those games. So it's I mean it's imperative that that's what you got to like about where this game does fall on the schedule is because we knew how tough this, the, the the final three games was going to be. This game, you can almost treat it almost like a mini-buy of sorts for so many guys because they're not going to play a – you would not imagine a full, full quarters. So if you get those dudes off the field, um, you might see a better effort from them the last three games because they might be a little bit more fresh than where they're at right now in the season. All right, predictions for this game. I'll let you go first. What do you see happening tomorrow in Keenan? I don't have a whole lot of concerns about tomorrow. Uh, whether Carolina is good or not, I don't know. But Campbell's not good, and that much I do know. Mac Brown has never had an issue in these types of games, getting his guys ready to play. Um, it's the second-to-last home game of the season. So for the seniors, they're going to want to, you know, put that Virginia loss behind them and be able to sing the alma mater in a positive note with the fans that are going to be in attendance. I think Carolina rolls to a comfortable 56-10 to 10 win. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know – I, I, again, I'm I'm probably a little jaded after the last two weeks. Um, you know, that's the reason why I said there there is, you know, you, you could be a little concerned, especially if Carolina gets off to a slow start. I don't really think that's going to happen, I, especially offensively. That's my thing. I, I don't think that Carolina is going to be slowed down in this game. I think they run the football. Um, I think the defense, you know, they do have a, a response. What it ultimately means, no idea. Um, but I think they come out, perform pretty well against Campbell. I just, I, I don't think Campbell has the, the 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 horses. Hell, if you want to say they don't have the camels to run with this team, uh, then then go ahead. I, I think Carolina wins this one pretty comfortably, fifty-two to fourteen. And you know, hopefully, this is one that just really allows them to recollect themselves, take a breath and get them ready uh, for next week against Duke. So, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, about to get the article posted if you guys want to take a look at that. You can also check it out in the morning uh, where we will have the uh, injury report that uh, will be up to date for you guys. We'll also have uh, team breakdowns, a little bit more in-depth stuff on uh, Campbell and the team that Carolina is going to face on Saturday, if you do want to get a look at that. Um, and then after the game is over, make sure you check out the recap. That one will be up tomorrow because it is a 12 o'clock game. It's early enough in the day, so we'll go ahead and put that one up for you. So make sure you keep your eyes out for that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we will be getting you ready uh, after we finish up all the Campbell stuff. We will have stock report, all that kind of stuff, injury report uh, after the Campbell game, and that will roll over into the all-important matchup with the Duke Blue Devils a week from tomorrow in Keenan Stadium. Uh, that one will be huge. It'll be uh, a rivalry matchup. You'll have senior night for uh, the – or senior day, whatever it's going to end up being uh, for the seniors. And more than likely, that will be your last chance to probably catch Drake May in Keenan Stadium. So uh, we'll, we'll have you prepared on all of those fronts here on both uh, the Heel Tough Blog podcast and over on the website at HeelToughBlog.com. Also, next week, uh, another big thing that's happening, Carolina kicks off their basketball season on Monday night, just three days away. They take on Radford in the Smith Center, and we're going to have you covered over on the website and, of course, on the Four Corners podcast all season long. Josh will be taking care of you with the articles and everything like that. I may be in there occasionally uh, writing some of the recap articles, but most of that stuff will be him. But on the podcast side of things, it'll be me and him all season long taking you through it. Uh, We will do some video editions of the podcast, but the majority of them will be audio editions. So make sure that you are subscribed to listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those great spots. Make sure 
that you are checking out that podcast. And of course, if you uh, are a listener to this podcast, make sure you subscribe to both of those podcasts as well. We would greatly appreciate it. So once again, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.